Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rising Stars podcast. I am Brianna Moriarty, your host, and today we have Kim Tio from Mr. Yum. She is the CEO and co-founder of Mr. Yum and has been named as one of the 50 most influential restaurant leaders by Nation's Restaurant News. So, Kim, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you start by giving us an overview of Mr. Yum and the solution that you provide? Mr. Yum is a mobile ordering and payment solution for hospitality uh, and entertainment. So a guest would typically scan a QR code and see a beautiful visual menu with photos of all the dishes and cocktails and things that can entice you to purchase and also help you decide what you want to order and you'll either place an order uh, on your device or with a guest I mean, or with a server and pay for the meal, whether you pay for it all or you split the bill on the CM. Uh, in the back end, I guess we also help merchants with growing their customer database and starting to remarket to them and uh, learn their behaviors and building towards personalized menus. That's great. And how did Mr. Young get started? We started about three years ago in a pre-COVID environment. And at the time, QR codes were certainly not popular. They were pretty much dead in the Western world and thriving in, in the Eastern world. It was a silly little idea that visual menus are, you know, PDF and they're full <laughs> of text and people are visual. And we would go um, out for dinner and go on Instagram and or in the US, you'd go on Yelp and try and see what the menu looks like and kind of piece together the puzzle of what you want to have for dinner as well you'd look around the room and suss out what everyone else is eating because people are visual and they just want to see what the food and the drinks look like so we started by building a very simple visual menu that wasn't ordering it wasn't payment it was just see photos of all the dishes so that's how we started yeah, that's a great point. I think like 90% of the time people now are looking up the menu before they even step foot into the restaurant. So it's really kind of the same thing looking at your phone before you're there or when you're at the table. But I mean, you guys have grown so quickly. It seems that you guys kind of grow overnight. So tell me about your fast growth and success and how you were able to kind of achieve that. I think every all the startup success stories seem like an overnight success, but they're not. Um, <laughs> Mr. Yum is three years old. There's three, there's four co-founders in the business, um, and three of us have had two other companies prior to Mr. Yum that we worked on together. So we've been working together for seven years now in various forms of success and failure. And I think even though the company is pretty new and it seems like we've grown quickly in a short amount of time, we've had some battle scars personally and ourselves. The idea was pretty simple when we first started it. Australia happens to be the country with the highest minimum wage in the world. Mm-hmm. And so when we were speaking to hospitality businesses, they were talking about how their margins had continued to shrink because prices were kind of stagnant because it was very competitive mm-hmm. and labor um, cost was going up and up and up each year. And they were just struggling to hire like the, you know, labor challenges that the whole world and hospitality is facing today mm-hmm. that somewhat existed in a pre-COVID world as well. And we got our chance in kind of more casual environments. So pubs, bars, cafes were the convenience of being able to order on your phone instead of having to go up to the bar and wait for your drinks or stand in the line or try and you know flag someone down and it's taking a while the convenience for the guests became kind of the traction channel for Mr. Yum 
catalyst was definitely your know, March 2020 our restaurants closed pretty much all around the world and um, our revenue went to zero as well because we were an in restaurant service product right. we brought out you know a takeaway and delivery product in that time to support our customers and our merchants but it's not our big focus you know we're very much an in restaurant focused ordering and payment system and we didn't know how we would go we were a small business of 12 people when covid first hit we didn't have much capital or money we started to pivot and you know add on uh, products that we thought would be suitable for the time got a lot of traction through that and you know came out of covid in a really positive way so yeah i think the biggest catalyst has been the adoption of qr codes in the last two years it's just helped us massively with our education People see a QR code, they know what to do. You know, three years ago, we had to write a big paragraph of mm-hmm. hold your camera, <laughs> open your phone camera, hold it over the code. You don't need an app. It used to say like right. no app required on all of our marketing material. Now we don't have to do that anymore, which has dramatically changed the impact of the business. So we got lucky with timing and I think you, you know, it's right place at the right time. And then also being able to utilize that timing and, and come out of it well. Yeah, it sounds like you guys were kind of like a year ahead of the trends that were coming in the restaurant space. And like you said, now the QR code menu and ordering is such a popular solution in countries all over the world. So you guys claim to have the world's most powerful QR code mobile ordering platform, you know, with so many other people kind of quickly reacting to the way that COVID has changed the way that we order. What sets your solution apart from others on the market today? I think I tend not to like to think about it as a set of features because it's not hard to copy and get to feature parity. So it doesn't matter what features we have today that others don't have. That's not what sets us apart. I think what genuinely sets us apart is our ability to stay ahead and be innovative and be the quickest and the most agile and the most able to adapt to what's happening around us. So that means you sometimes make quick decisions. You've got to be agile with your roadmap and move things around as and when you need. You've got to make good trade-offs. Mm-hmm. The way that we develop our solutions, sometimes, you know, there's a four-month version of doing it and a six-week version of doing it. And sometimes we do the four-month version and sometimes we do the six-week version. So we've got to, like, learn to make good decisions and, and, and do that collaboratively and as a team. I think our number one strength across the whole business, whether it's product, solutions, you know, engineering or sales, it's our team and our retention. Mm-hmm. We haven't had in the last two, we've had one person leave the company in the last two and a half years. Oh, um, impressive. We had a lot of turnover at the start. You know, I, my, my co-founders and I had the wrong um, people for, for the time that we were at. There was, nothing, there was nothing wrong with the people. It just wasn't the right people for the time. Mm-hmm. So we made a bunch of hiring mistakes in the early days, but probably about six months in, we kind of found our feet with our, you know, early core team. And since then, since six months into the business, before we even raised any money at all, we have, we've had one person, you know, leave the business. And I think that creates a lot of stability. It creates a lot of continuity. It means the team are genuinely like happy, pumped, excited about the future of the business. It mm-hmm. means you're winning. It means your customers can see that you're winning. When you have an account manager, they don't just rotate on 
cycle you know like the only time someone's had a different account manager is if we've sent their account manager to a new region to help us launch into a new market whether that be the UK or the US and then they get a new account manager because you know someone's going to a different country or city so yeah I think our team our culture our retention the way that we put our team first you know I think yes customers are important but the, our team you know are, are more important to us mm-hmm. um, we protect the happiness of our team and sometimes that's at the detriment of having revenue or customers so we try and be selective with who we work with and we know we try not to bend over on custom features custom developments if that doesn't make our team happy so yeah I think there's a lot of trust and 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 almost wanting to do better for everyone else that Mm -hmm. creates momentum Um, and that's not easily copyable and that's not easily replaceable and that I think is our superpower for, for like now and into the future, regardless of how many other competitors exist or or how much money they have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that you've only have one person leave is that speaks volumes. I don't know what the labor market looks like in Australia right now, but it's insanely competitive here in the US. Even good employees that like the company that they're at, it's just kind of a battlefield out there. So turnover is definitely happening at a high speed. So that that definitely speaks volumes. Oh, to- it's, it's happening here too. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, what's it called? Like the great resonation or something. Uh-huh. That's true in this market as well in particular like engineers you know like in engineers and sales and actually all of our team are getting hit up left right and center and we know about that we have a policy of not counter offering so if someone did decide to leave then you know that's fine if they want to talk to us about getting paid more they can talk to us about getting paid more if they're happy and they just want you know to be rewarded in a different way or they want new opportunities and they want to go overseas etc we can work all that out and we're very open and transparent and easy I think approachable and easy to to chat to so yeah I think you know holding on to team is our biggest strength and and everyone and people can see that our customers can see that our partners can see that it's sustainable and it'll help us you know continue to be the leaders. Definitely. So I guess compared to other similar platforms on the market that do the QR code ordering, and yeah. stuff, you guys were more proactive than reactive, meaning, you know, like you said, you, you had this solution prior to the pandemic before it became, I guess, a necessity in restaurants. So tell me about you know, were there any other solutions like that on the market that you were aware of when you created it? Or was it simply just from personal experience that you said, I would like something like this, so we should create it for other people as well? Yeah, it's a very, it's a really good question. And I love the thinking around, like, how do you know when you're in a competitive space? And do you go and compete? Or do you stay away? And like, if you compete, how do you compete? When we first started Missyum, we understood, like, it is such an obvious idea. Anyone that's sat in a bar and it's busy and it's five deep at the bar and you're looking at it going, why can't I just order on my phone? Like, that is an idea that someone has thought about it every single day of the week, mm-hmm. every single day of a year somewhere in the world. Like, there are at least 365 people every year that have had the same idea. Definitely. If not more, because it's so freaking obvious. We found actually got a couple of guys in a company called Table and I'm still friends with them today who had the same idea but five three or four years ahead Mm -hmm. of when we started but they had to build an app because the QR to web workflow wasn't easily accessible by the camera 
back right. in 2017, 16, when they existed. Mm-hmm. And the app meant you had friction and downloading. You had to get, you had to pay someone $5 to try the product. If you can't get good uptake in a venue, as in you can't get like more than 20, 30, 40% of customers using it, then the restaurant doesn't really give a shit about, you know, if, you're, if only one or 2% of people are using the software, they're like, we don't need it. You know, it's an extra thing to manage, extra thing to think about, an extra thing to try and configure when you're changing your menu. It's a bit of work for no gain, right? And we saw many similar app-based solutions around the world. In June 2018, about five months before we launched, Apple put the QR scanner in the camera. Mm-hmm. And as well, Apple Pay launched that year in Australia, one of the biggest banks here rolled it out as a exclusive to their bank and we knew that they had kind of a two-year exclusive and then all the other banks would have Apple Pay too so the thought of having an easy frictionless QR to web and then web to one-touch payment just made the idea so much more accessible mm-hmm. um, so but when we launched it we were potentially one of the only QR to web solutions there were other solutions in the Aussie market that were app-based Mm-hmm. And then like NFC or Beacon. So they launched with like an app product, whereas we launched with a web product. And that is only defendable for a short amount of time until everyone else realizes that QR to right. web is like the way to go. Um, but it gives you a little bit of a head start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when thinking about entering a market where the idea is so obvious, you've got to ask yourself, how are we? Like, why now? And not why two years ago and why not four years ago like if everyone thought about it for so long like why didn't all of those businesses and 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 startups succeed why do you think we're going to succeed and I think for us actually like the idea and the customer demand was always there and the convenience like people wanted the convenience 10 years ago but the technology actually only caught up to the demand in the last you know three years right and we launched four months after Apple put their QR scanner into the camera and we were one of the first to do that and got really well known for being the QR code people until COVID check-ins totally stole our thunder um, <laughs> but in a really good way you know right. in, a really, in a really positive way for us. Yeah for sure well you guys were definitely ahead of the curve so what is the I guess status of lockdown or you know restrictions in restaurants in Australia right now, because I I asked that because, you know, the U.S., we're starting to open up, things are starting to feel normal. A lot of places still have the QR menus, but, you know, as many people know, Americans are slow to adapt to change. And I see a lot of the restaurants getting rid of those QR menus and bringing paper back. So curious to see what that looks like in other parts of the world. Yeah, I think um, really significantly, it depends on the quality of the product that they've got and it depends on the type of the venue they've got. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing like really strong uptake in Australia still. Um, The UK where where we also operate and and work with you guys too in in all the markets, they had like a bit of a dip post-summer in terms of adoption in, in restaurants and bars and pubs, but in Australia it stayed pretty strong. Um, and we're very new to the U.S., so I don't have enough, you know, 12-month data to kind of understand the change in the adoption in the U.S. yet. I think the QR code to PDF, as in like transition away from QR code to PDF, it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for more high-end experiences. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And where like genuinely the experience wasn't really better, like a QR code 
to PDF menu is not better than a paper menu. It's tiny. It's on your screen. You've got to like mm-hmm. zoom in and zoom out and move your the view around to be able to see. Right. And if it's not a like actually value add digital menu, um, for example, we we do photos, but we also do dietaries, allergens, you know, translations of the whole menu into five different languages. Like if it's not value add, it is just the same PDF, but online. That's mm-hmm. really like I can see why you'd want to go back to paper pretty quickly because yeah. that's actually not as good a user experience as compared to having a, a paper-based menu. And if it's a bar or a cafe or a pub or a location where the level of table service is limited, then it makes a lot of sense to continue using a product because the guests are having a much better time than you know the traditional service. I think there is a lot of work to be done and we're focused heavily on this at the moment around how to build a product to suit table service environments mm-hmm. because the traditional order and pay same as us you close out the bill each time and that's not a great workflow for right. a table service restaurant because they want to have you keep the bill open and pull the bill down and pay it off later mm-hmm. I think um there's some great systems out there now that can facilitate as a good good pause partners that can facilitate us with a bit of a hybrid workflow so we're working on that and we think that actually the products and market are not really suitable for the higher end experiences yet there's one thing we all know it's that online ordering has taken over the hospitality market but it might just surprise you how easy it can be for a business to take advantage of online ordering services with stars cloudprint technology the process is crazy simple no extra tablets software or ssl certificates needed the cloud connected star printer communicates directly with the server to automatically pull online orders on a regular interval it's as easy as that no more lost orders and no more hardware cluttering up precious counter space. Visit starmicronics.com today to learn more about CloudPrint and the many printers it's available on. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, obviously, you know, the reduction in labor costs and, you know, being able to place an order without having to wait for your server or bartender. But what are some of the other benefits of restaurants moving to that QR code based menu or ordering platform versus the traditional um, way of service? There is a there's an underlying theme around understanding your customers and their preferences and their buying decisions in the same way that Shopify enabled that for retail. Knowing who your guests are is something that businesses didn't know mm-hmm. three, four, five years ago. You could go every day to the same place and then remember your face and then remember your name, but they don't have many records of your transactions. They don't know how much you spent. They don't know if you're a VIP. They don't have a way to truly understand you or market to you. So the the long-term reason for using a product like Misty Yum is actually to build a digital presence and a digital connection with your guests, not Mm -hmm. just expect them and hope that they're going to walk in the door tomorrow, actually be able to proactively engage with them to mm-hmm. book on a Friday or a Saturday or Monday or a Tuesday and be able to get them coming back in, being able to giving them an easy way to refer their friends or to tell their friends about the amazing experience or the amazing food and drinks that they had at your restaurant. So it's an underlying theme of helping restaurants become far more digital in the way that they engage and communicate with their guests. Mm-hmm. 
and not just focusing on you know what happens when the guests eventually do get to the restaurant being able to control almost like the out of restaurant experience and for for them to be able to control the the level of customers coming back yeah, absolutely. That data is so important. We we talked about kind of your growth and how COVID drove a lot of that. But, you know, I was reading on your website, after only three years, you guys currently have over 1500 venues using your solution. So how did you expand to that market so quickly? How did you get so many people interested? Was it purely COVID driven? Or, um, you know, what what some of your other strategies? Yeah, we've always had a pretty broad organic uptake of the product. So Misty, mm-hmm. um, the product looks similar. There's different colors and stuff each time, but it's very identifiable that it's a Misty Yum menu. Um, so restaurateurs seeing it out at other restaurants has been our number one growth channel for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that's organic and then them seeing it and then going on our website and applying, et cetera. The second part to the business is actually through referrals. Our partnership channels make up our biggest referral network today. Um, and that could be point of sale partners. It could be CRM partners. It could be marketing agencies. It could be um, hospitality consulting businesses. So there's quite a broad range of almost like thinking about the tech stack in hospitality and partnering and integrating with the, the tech stack to make it a really super seamless flow of data through flow of customer data through the different systems. All of those companies then become almost partners in selling a stack together. Mm-hmm. And that's always been really strong for us. In the early days, there was a lot of, oh, I really, I've always wanted to use something like this, but COVID's given me a reason to try it. Right. And it's given me a reason to explain to my staff and explain to my guests that this is a new way of doing service. And what we've learned is, especially in the Australian market, the adoption has held really strong post-COVID as guests and staff have gotten used to it. So I think COVID was an accelerant and it gave a lot of restaurateurs the opportunity to try something new It opened up their mind. It gave them an excuse to experiment. Um, and if it weren't for COVID, I think it would have been a much more slow burn sure. in growth. Yeah, I think it would have taken us an additional two, three, four years to get to where we are now if we didn't have this catalyst for adoption. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you guys are kind of just starting your expansion into the US. So can you tell me about that and, you know, your plans there? I spent six months of the year last year in the US, learned a lot about how different the hospitality industry is there and the restaurant industry is there versus Australia and the UK. And also like there's some similarities, but there are definitely a lot of differences. The main differences would be just how how big tipping is compared to in our side of the world as well how many full table service experiences there are there's a lot there's a lot fewer casual experiences so in thinking about our US launch we're working on some additional product offerings at the moment that I think will solve for some of the differences between the markets and really actually create a product that fits for the market in the US. And then in thinking about our approach to markets, the US is so not homogenous and there's 50 different states and they're all different. So we're working out at the moment what our key target market will be and how we go to market with partners as well as independently over the next year or so. Yeah. Well, you guys are already integrated with a lot of the major POS providers in the U.S., like Square and Lightspeed. How did you kind of decide to partner with them and what does that process look like? 
the partnership with Square has been around for a while, actually. We um, kind of started working with them early, early on, maybe 18 months ago, because they've got a pretty good Australian presence and focus. And that was a global partnership and it's one integration. So it kind of ticks the box. Lightspeed's in a similar position. They've got a business here as well that they acquired called Counter that's now Lightspeed. So both of those relationships have routed because of our Australian presence. You know, more broadly, how do we decide who to partner with is really dependent on the most suitable products and market to the customer base that we're going for. Pause integrations are a massive part of MISTIAM and it's something that we've been very good at and it's something that we know is a competitive advantage to us and and how but then also how stable reliable and deeply integrated our solutions are with with other with other pod systems we do commercial arrangements that sit behind the relationships that incentivize both of us to grow our shared customers together That's great. So based on your experience in the U.S., the time that you spent there and research that you guys have done on the market, what do you think the trend will be going forward with QR codes? Do you think they're still going to remain strong? And what will it take to prevent restaurants from just reverting back to their pre-pandemic ways? I think the good restaurateurs have realized how important it is to know who their customers are and have a way to communicate with them. Like a lot of them haven't forgotten that when COVID hit, they had to shut their doors and many of them didn't have email addresses or contact details or phone numbers. Like the lack of a customer database is, I think, something that the good restaurateurs haven't forgotten how important it is to have. Our job then is to make sure that we're elevating the in-restaurant experience rather than taking away from it. I don't think it's a case of, you know, oh, the operators just want to go back to their traditional ways. My perception on that is, well, the products aren't good enough then. Like products and market are not clearly not adding value. Mm-hmm. If it was adding value, you know, not crazy expensive and helping them build a database of customers, like why wouldn't they use it? Right. If they're going back to their old ways, there's clearly something annoying, flawed or lacking in the in the offering. So yeah, I'm not a proponent of our people are just stuck in the ways and nothing will ever change. It's like, well, products can change behaviors and products can create categories. It's a case of like, what do we as a industry like what do we as a technology company but also what do our peers have to do to actually match and if not better Mm -hmm. the in restaurant experience to the point where we're value add not taking away from hospitality yeah that definitely makes sense so kim i know you're very busy i won't take up too much more of your time but i'm really excited to see your expansion into the u.s and watch you guys continue to grow so my final question for you is what do you think makes mr yum a rising star it's our behavior it's our it's our team it's our vibe it's a really you know positive and optimistic place to work and i think that comes through in the way that we interact with our customers in the way that we try and lift the whole industry. I think we're at the forefront of innovation. I think we're really good at pushing ourselves to be better. So yeah, I think we're looking forward to overall, like lifting the bar in what technology and hospitality and restaurants looks like and working with some amazing partners to be able to do that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. If any of our listeners want to learn more about Mr. Yum or connect with you and your team, where can they find you? can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Kim Teo uh, on LinkedIn. Or if you jump on our website, we've got a careers page that has lots of jobs and <laughs> it's a never ending list of things of, of, uh, of roles that we're hiring for. So looking forward to connecting with some of you.
Awesome. And for Star Micronics, you can find us on starmicronics.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks again, Kim. Thank you so much.